You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Welcome to part two of do not uh, of defeating the devourer, defeating the devourer. Number two, number two, don't hold on to what you're not meant to. So the first one is don't carry what you're not meant to. Number two is don't hold on to what you're not meant to. Have a look at at uh, this in Malachi chapter three verse ten. It says bring all the tithes. You know, there's a theme through God. He, he is obsessed with all. Did you know that God is an all obsessed God? He doesn't want most of you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants, he wants all of you. He doesn't want 99%. He wants all. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that so there may be food in my house. And test me now. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, come on, how many of you know when God throws an and in there, it's like, you know, the steak knives thing. Wait, there's more steak knives. You know, what? Even more. And we're going to throw in. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So who, who may the enemy devour? Non-tithers. Seeking whom he may devour, can't devour him. Why not? Tither. Tither. When you, see, when you tithe, when you tithe, you literally bring the first tenth and you honor the Lord. That's why the Bible says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase, with all your possessions. Because when you tithe, it's not that the church, the church teaches tithing because it's trying to get money from you. No, no, no. The church teaches tithing, not because I'm trying to get something from you, but I'm trying to get something to you. What I'm trying to get to you is something so powerful, so extraterrestrial, so paranormal and supernatural. When you bring your tithe and you honor the Lord, you literally step into the kingdom of God. You step in where you say the Lord is my king and here is the evidence I'm paying I'm bringing my tithe I'm paying my I'm bringing the tithe to say that you are the Lord and I'm honoring you a king has two responsibilities provision and protection provision and protection so watch what God does in Malachi 3 he says when you bring the tithe this is try me if I'll not throw open the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing, there's not room enough to contain it. In other words, I will provide for you beyond your comprehension, beyond your ability. You'll find that you, we look at the earth. We look at the ground. We look at the, the markets. We look at the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones. We look at those things. We look at the stocks. We look at the tra We look at all of those things. But God says, I'm going to throw open the windows of heaven. There'll be money coming. There'll be checks coming. There'll be blessings coming. There'll be unexplained miracles because you tithe, I will provide. But I don't just provide and I will rebuke the devourer. The devourer will be rebuked so that your vine will not fail to bear fruit and you will be a delightful land. You will find that as you bring your tithe, tithing puts you into a place where you declare that God is your Lord and your King. And as your King, He will pro provide and protect. Leanne and I learned this the, the, the hard way because 
when we started in ministry, we had so little money that we could not make ends meet. We could not. And so we knew we had no other option. And we regretted at the time. But now I look back and, you know, many times there are, there are things that you wouldn't choose. But I look back and I would not change, even though I wouldn't choose to be so poor and to be so. But I wouldn't change it because it taught us that, man, we can get further just by trusting God. We put the first 10% always, first 10% honor the Lord, the first 10th. And we saw supernatural blessing again and again and again and again and again, almost like angels. I mean, one time a car, the, the, the tire blew out. It was bucketing down like torrential rain. And all of a sudden, beautiful Marley Kaipo, who was a, a girl that was saved out of, out of the, the, the uh, gangs in New Zealand, just happened to be behind us, pulls over, gets out and changes the tire on our car in the pouring. It was like an angel from God. We just had supernatural provision, supernatural protection everywhere we went. When you honor God, you'll find that God's protection and God's provision is released over your life. And, and he rebukes the devourer. I have had so many people come up and say, hey, pastor, can you pray for my finances? And I always want to pray. Like if someone says, hey, pastor, will you pray for me? Absolutely, I pray. And then half the time I'm praying and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, it's not going to work. I'm like, why not? They're not tithing. Oh, shoot. And I'm like, you're not tithing? Yeah, I can't afford to. No, no, you don't realize. You can't afford not to. No, 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 yeah, I can't afford to. You know, in three decades of being a Christian, here's what I've discovered. All the people that don't tithe can't afford to. And all the people that do tithe can afford to. Yeah, see, that's, they, they can afford to, so they do. You don't know, you're not hearing. All the people that don't tithe can't afford to. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I can't afford to. No, 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 no. The people that do tithe can, yeah, they can, they, they can afford to. So they, no, 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 no. If you just move the ledger, it's, it's actually the tithe. It's not well, I've got all this money left over, I'll tithe. No, 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 they tithe and then they have money left over. Why? Because God's opening heaven's windows and God's rebuking the devourer. Move into that realm. You know, it's amazing that some people, you know, think that I've, you know, pastor, you've got enough power, don't you? That anointing on you can nullify the laws of God in operation over my life. I know I'm not tithing, but can you? I can't. I can't. When you bring the tithe, make a decision. I'm not allowing the devourer to devour my finances. He is not uh, devouring my home. He's not devouring the fruit of my vine. I will be a delightful land. Defeat the devourer. Number three, last one, is don't allow the word to rest where it's not meant to. Don't allow the word to rest where it's not meant to. Let me explain that. Go to Matthew 13, verse 4. Matthew 13, verse 4. This is the parable of the sower. And it says this, and it says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and... Come on, somebody. The birds came and... The birds came and devoured them. See the word devour? Now, if you look... A little bit later, we don't have time in Matthew 13. Jesus gives the, gives the explanation. He says, the seed that falls by the wayside, these are those who hear the word, but they don't understand. They don't digest the word. So Satan comes immediately and snatches what was sown. 
So begin to think, what, what is the wayside? What, what is the wayside that Satan comes immediately and snatches the word? See, Satan is terrified of the word. He knows that word on top. He better get it before, because if it penetrates, it will produce. If that, that seed penetrates, it will produce. Every word of God will produce the kingdom of God. Every word from the Bible, every word of God carries the DNA of his kingdom. God never speaks something he doesn't will, and God never wills something he doesn't speak. And so when you take the word of God and plant it in your life and put it in your heart and put it in your life, your life may be right now overgrown and choked with weeds. You may have more poison ivy than pineapple in your life right now. But you know what you can do? You can get the word of God and you can begin to sow. Do some weeding, but begin to sow the word of God. Begin to sow the word of God. When I came to Christ, my life was a mess and God gave me the Bible. God gave me the word. And I'm like, well, I know I'm into read this but I had no idea as I began to read it and apply it to my life that very very soon I began to notice all these things springing up that represented and that resembled the kingdom of God in my life the Bible says the kingdom is not a matter of words but of love joy righteousness and peace and power in Christ Jesus and I began to see love I began to see joy I began to see peace I began to see righteousness I began to see power in my life so the word of God so the wayside the wayside is actually the path it's the well trodden path so the farmer the sower is sowing seed but some has some has fallen on the wayside on the path the path that is pedestrian the path that is hard because it's trampled underfoot by men. It's the road most popularly traveled. So the Holy Spirit began to say to me, don't let the word sit on the surface where the crowd walks, where popular opinion, where the culture, where the status quo, when it matters more what everyone else thinks and says as opposed to what God says. That's what the wayside represents. The wayside is the path where everyone's walking. Yeah, yeah, I heard this in church, but, but what's the culture saying? Yeah, I heard this in church, but you know what? On the news, a news anchor said, let the word of God be supreme. Don't let the word of God sit on the wayside. Don't let it sit where men are walking, where popular opinion, where status quo, where culture. Don't let the word sit there. Get that word and begin to put it deep into the soil. Can you hear a new thing? I remember, again, for, for us, a, a lament in my heart when we lived in New Zealand and just struggling with poverty. And I was driving to go for a surf on a, a beautiful peninsula called the Coromandel Peninsula. And it was about a, an hour and three-quarter drive from our home in Auckland. And I'm driving there and I've got a Bible on cassette and it came to the parable of the talents and you know in this parable of the talents one's given five talent another two talent another guy one talent well we just done this project for this guy who was the same age as me he was 28 at that at that point same age as me and uh we were doing a project for him to raise money for our youth group and he gave us ten thousand dollars for a saturday where he bought a property overlooking st helias bay in auckland and we had to rip out all the old shrubs and all the old trees and literally gut the house and uh and this this i mean it had unspoiled views of the beautiful tasman ocean it was right up on a cliff stunning and he bought it for eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars and i mean you know and 
we we just bought our house for uh, like $108,000 and this one was $870,000 and only had two bedrooms in it and it was over and so uh, the project manager said, oh, listen, the, the boss just pulled up. And so this seven series black BMW pulls up. He's not even driving. He's got a driver. He's my age. He gets out. He's got this, this navy blue power suit, this white shirt, you know, shiny shoes. And he gets out. My hands are all dirty from, you know, from all the work. And I shake hands. And it's a 28-year-old shaking hands with a 28-year-old. But I was so intimidated, so overwhelmed by his, you know, his success, his wealth, his blessing. He was so kind. He was, you know, oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate what you're doing. Man, this is, you know, it's really going to help me. So after he left, I find out he's the son of, you know, one of Auckland's big developers. But I'm talking to the project manager. and He's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to knock this entire house down. I'm like, hang on. Well, he just spent 870 grand to buy this house and he's going to knock it down. Yeah, he's going to knock it down. He's going to build something else. And, and that house that he'll build will probably sell for between two and a half and three million. And I remember just, so now I'm driving to go for a surf and I hear the parable of the talents. And so I get ticked. So, which I know that will surprise most of you that, what, you ticked, passionate? No. And so I flip and hit eject. Come on, come on. And I'm like, God, it's easy for the rich to, to prosper. That, that 28-year-old that I met, he's a five-talent guy and he, he was given five talents. He, he's got 870 grand that he can just you know, spend on a, on, on a piece of real estate that he's going to knock down and then build another house for probably another 500 grand, but he's going to double his money. It's easy for him. He's a five-talent guy. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, well, where do you think you are in the ledger? I said, well, where, where do you? Hello, it's obvious. Freaking I'm a one-talent one talent dad disowned me when I went to Bible college I got freaking nothing look at my salary I can barely make it one talent and God said oh isn't that interesting he says because the guy with five doubled it became ten the guy with two the two talent guy doubled it and became four he said Jürgen you are the one talent guy because you out of fear out of feeling like life's not fair life hasn't dealt you a fair hand your dad's disowned you you're burying your one. You're sitting on your one. You're afraid to invest the one in case you lose it. He says, why don't you get wise? Why don't you get wisdom? See, the guy with the one talent could have gone and asked the guy with two and asked the guy with five, hey, Flip, man, I'm, I'm a little bit like concerned. Like I don't want to lose what the master gave me. What are you guys doing? Oh, dude, we got this five. It's already making bank. It's already coming back. There's a chance that by the time master comes back, it will have doubled. If he would have gone and inquired, he could have gone from a one-talent guy to a two-talent guy. And then all he's got to do is repeat. It may be one or two more steps, but he can go from a two-talent guy to now a four-talent guy. Reinvest, be a four-talent guy. I'm t I start weeping in the car because for me it was a game changer. And then I realized if I lean into God, if I inquire of the Lord, he will give me wisdom. The Bible says with wisdom are riches, honor, and life. If I will lean into God, he will give me wisdom. And courage is required because wisdom will tell you what to do. But now courage needs to kick in. But we just began to, on that journey, began to invest. And we began to see God do something powerful in our life. But I need you to understand that it was a thought, it was a seed that came 
that I had to remove from the culture. I had to remove from popular opinion. I had to remove from status quo. God wants to speak to you, but every breakthrough will come not by what lands and that you leave on the wayside for, for everybody else to assess. Hey, you know, God said this, but what do you think? Because I think that what you think elevates above what God thinks. No, no, no. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. God will always try to bring some breakthrough into your life by bringing a new thought. You can't afford to let it lay on the well-pedestrianed, the well-traveled, popular opinion of everybody else because Satan will come and devour it. Make a decision. The word is not going to sit there. I'm actually going to put it down deep into the soil of, of, of my heart. I remember God said to me, we went, and you've heard the story where we had a gentleman project manage our house into a mess, ended up squandering all of the money, running off with all the money, leaving me with baby number two pregnant with Leanne Ash about to be born. And we don't, we got a half finished house with no power, no running water, nothing, and little ashes in the hospital. And it was an absolute stress. It was an a and then God, again, through a series of miracles, because I cast my cares onto him, came through and brought breakthrough. And then God said to me, now go and pay the man his commission. I'm like, uh-uh, I am paying him his... And so I gave God a whole list of why he violated his contract, why he violated his end of the bargain. And God, a contract works two ways. Let me explain to you. You probably don't understand things like contracts and covenants. Let me explain how they work. I said, contracts and covenants happen between two parties. And if this party keeps theirs, then this part. And God says, yeah, even though he has violated his, it's important for your character and your integrity and my bless, if you will honor when you've been dishonored, if you will bless when someone has cursed, if you will, if you will keep your end, even though he has violated his end, you will continue to rise under my hand of blessing. But sadly, he has already put a ceiling where he has elevated mammon uh, above my kingdom and he will only continue to decrease. It was one of the hardest things. It was four months salary for us. What that, um, what that commission was. But I remember saving that money, driving it around and putting it in his hand. God gave me a new thought, but I didn't leave it on the wayside. I didn't leave it to popular opinion because people would have said to me, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Mate, no. They could have given me a whole litany of reasons why not to, why I had every right not to. In fact, if anything, you ought to sue that guy. That's what you ought to do. You ought to sue him. You ought to take. That's what the Lord... But instead, God says, no, no, here's a seed. And I took it from the wayside and I planted it into the soil. And if I was honest with you, I could draw a line in the sand and saw how our life only continued to increase. And sadly, his did the opposite. And a new thought came to me, forgive your father. I didn't want to forgive my father. He lived in bitterness. His father lived in bitterness. But somebody had to break the cycle. Then God says, I want you to tell him that you love him. If I would have said to people, hey, I'm going to forgive my dad. I'm going to tell him that I love him. And these are all the things people would have talked talk me out of it. You can't let the seed live on the wayside. Don't let a word that God speaks to you. Don't let a word that God speaks to you be governed by the popular opinion of the people that are traversing on the paths so busy you know, on their, their way in life. When, when we're flying from Auckland to Sydney, we're so excited. We've spent seven years in New Zealand. Now we're going to go to Auckland, uh, to Sydney. We're going to uh, possibly be Phil Pringle's youth pastors. And we were so excited. And as I'm on the plane looking out the window, the word of the Lord comes to me and says, Yerks, when you get to Sydney, don't become like Sydney. 
And it was like this, it was like this grief, it was like this lament. When you get to Sydney, don't become like Sydney. I'm like, oh, Sydney's awesome. Oh, I love Sydney. It's got, it's got better weather than Auckland and it's got beautiful beaches and they're really, and it, and it troubled me. I land, we're getting all of our luggage and it was just going around in my head. And we get there and everyone's talking about how awesome Sydney is and how they're in love with Sydney. And then I began to notice that, oh my gosh, you have become the culture. You are just, and then the word of the Lord came to me again and said, Jürgen, you can't change a culture you've become. You cannot change a culture that you've become. He says, you, are not you can't change Sydney by becoming Sydney. You've always got to be kingdom. Wherever I send you, if you can be kingdom, you'll change your culture. Another one, and I'll finish on this one is, and this one kicked my butt is, your wife is a product of your husbandry. Like that one was the game changer for me because I thought that everything that was wrong in our marriage was Leanne's fault. And I, I'm telling you, Adam was amening me, the woman you gave me, God. And, I was, and then God says, actually, she's a product of your husbandry. She is a product of your husbandry. And God said to, to, to me, he says, before I gave Adam the privilege of a spouse, I had to teach him the power of his mouth that she will become the words that you speak. She will become what you call her. And I realized then I had to begin, begin to champion my bride, not chastise my bride. And everything began to change. And I honestly, I believe that because I got that word and it wasn't comfortable and I didn't allow it because it was, it was a word that, that didn't fit. And the pedestrian and the popular opinion, it was so, nobody had preached that. I never heard that from anybody, but I took that seed from the wayside and I put it into the soil of my heart. And I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to allow this one to be trampled on the popular opinions of our culture. I'm going to put that in my heart and I'm going to make a change. And I'm telling you today, I'm married to the most extraordinary human being. She is so anointed. She is so wise. She's, she's so wise. She's like a little miniature Buddha covered in bling. That's what she's like. And she's, uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. She's, uh, <laughs> she's not wearing any bling today, but, um, but wise, prophetic, anointed. There's, there's, there's virtually no decision that I make where I don't run something by her. I love because we get to build the church together. And I know that the church is as healthy and as vibrant as it is because of the wisdom that this magnificent woman brings to the table, to the equation. But I was in an, in an atmosphere, in an environment back then where I was the man of God and your wife is like an interchangeable part. And I'm being a little bit facetious, but also truthful. Because I saw a lot of these people, yeah, you know, this is my wife, but, you know, she's interchangeable, you know. We just did it differently because a word of the Lord came. Will you let God? Will you let God? Will you let God? Number three, don't allow the word to rest where it's not meant to. It's not meant to rest on the wayside. When God gives you a word, don't leave it over there. Bring it in. Put it into the soil of your heart. Don't allow the enemy to snatch. Don't allow the enemy to devour the word. The word has power to produce kingdom in your life. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people watching. And if you're watching today and you're away from God, far from God, would you come back? Go to awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Click on that. Follow the links. Help us help you. 
let us help you become a great follower of Jesus Christ. There is no life like it. I'm telling you, there is no word like the word of God. There is no word in the universe like the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endures forever. When you and I build our lives on the word of God, you will build a devourer defeating life where the devourer will not be able to touch. He will not be able to destroy. He will not be able to consume. He will not be able to, you will defeat the devourer again and again and again. You are called to defeat the devourer. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. We recognize what he wants to do, but we are going to be so observant, so obedient to the things of God that we're going to defeat the devourer in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.